I was really lucky with, with conceiving and I didn't have any, like I've never had a miscarriage or anything like that. And I said, you know, yeah. how can I, how can I give back? Like, I want to be able to thank, like honor and recognize the people who didn't have it like me. And I, how, how can I support them? And there's really not much you can do to support infertile families, unfortunately. Like you can yeah. help them or LGBT families. You can help, you can support with your words and your actions and being there for them and all that. But being a surrogate for me is something just beyond like I'm here for you it's I'm I want to use what my goods my body to give yeah. in some way welcome to mom strength a podcast and movement to empower educate and showcase mom strength inside and out I'm your host Surabi Veach physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as The Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Mom Strength. This is Surabi Veach, and I'm really excited to interview today's guest. I've actually literally met her like 10 minutes ago, and she is a lovely person, and she's going to be sharing so much about her journey. We're going to welcome Amanda Vecchiola, who is a mother of two. She's a nurse, and she will be completing a surrogate journey this year. So welcome, Amanda. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. I'm so pumped. We actually connected um, because Amanda had posted on a Facebook group. I don't even know what she posted, but I was like, that sounds really interesting. Actually, I think you had posted about surrogacy. And yeah, you had said, like, if anybody has questions, you can ask. And so I thought that would be – it would be really incredible to bring you on to this show because I don't know anything about this. And I'm sure a lot of our guests don't. And sometimes when we don't know about something, it, it can seem like, you know – a thing that's not not for us, but maybe learning more about it may um, educate someone, inform someone. Mm -hmm. So tell me about yourself. So you got it on the nose. I'm a nurse. I'm a mom of two beautiful little boys, Elliot and Sterling. They're four and a half and 14 months. Um, and yeah, I've been a nurse for about seven years. I'm an RPN. Um, and I used to work at, in Toronto, I used to work at North York General Hospital and St. Joe's Hospital, both in oncology and end-of-life care. So I did a lot of, you know, death and dying and transitioning patients into palliative. Um, but then I had my own experience with a really horrible passing in my family. And I decided that I, I've done my duty and I need to focus more on, you know, being home with my kids and having more of a work-life balance and kind of grieving at home instead of at work. Yes. And uh, so I moved over to preventative health and wellness. So I work for a wonderful clinic downtown Toronto and nice. we do preventative, yeah, yearly assessments, prevention and wellness. And um, we just support patients through their health journeys. Um, and it's a lot more flexible and, and, you know, it's an amazing clinic. I love it so much. And amazing. when I'm not there, I'm at home with my boys. 
Amazing. And I love that you brought that up of just a better work-life balance because that transition to motherhood really mm-hmm. brings that to light of like how hard we've worked or how stressful yeah. our jobs can be and palliative care. Yeah. Like I can, you know, anyone who knows what that is, you know, end of life care, the people who work in that field, first of all, are amazing humans, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I I can see that radiate through you (laughs) and, but it's hard, right? And I I don't think it's something that people do for their 30, 40 years in their career. It would be really incredibly tasking. um, It was really meaningful work. Like the work I do now is still meaningful, but in a way, a very different way. You're involved in someone's most vulnerable time. And, you know, the patient dies, but the family remembers you forever and how you treated them and how you took care of them. And you don't just care for the patient, you care for the whole family. And um, I loved it, but I just couldn't see death all the time. And my dad passed when I was pregnant. So it was just a lot of like, death around me all the time. Yeah. Yeah, And I'm supposed to be excited and I'm pregnant and I'm supposed to be like enjoying this time of my life. And I just wasn't. So I said, let me go on my mat leave. They, they gave me a good top up at St. Joe's. So I stayed there for the top up. (laughs) And then I was like, I need to figure out where I'm going to go. And, um, yeah, it's, I, I miss it. I miss palliative a lot because of how just important you are in the, in the whole part, you know, in the whole process, but I, I did five or four years of that. And I feel like it's, I'm, I'm happy moving on. Yeah, there we go. I feel like that's, <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. And I, you nailed it is anyone who's ever lost anyone knows who yeah. is in that room and who, how they make them feel. And like when my grandma passed, the nurses were exceptional. And, but then I've heard other stories where, you know, mm-hmm. you're rushed out or you're not respected and people yeah. like you who love their job and yeah. who, you know, care for their humans make, make a huge difference. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you're doing that with your own children now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then tell me mm-hmm. about your, your surrogate journey that you're going through. Yeah. So I, I've always kind of wanted to be a surrogate. I didn't really know, like you said, kind of what it meant. I knew it was carrying a baby for someone else and, for someone who can't, for whatever reason, it's a, a huge LGBTQ community and, you know, infertile women and, and with their partners. Um, so I knew I wanted to do something in terms of family planning. I want, maybe I was thinking, maybe I'll be like a foster parent. Maybe I'll adopt a child. Maybe I'll become a surrogate. Those were like the three things that like kind of unconventional things I could do to support families. Right. And to grow mine. And so um, I realized foster care wasn't, it wasn't going to happen for me just cause I, I live in Toronto. I live in a small house, like it's not happening. Um, and then adoption just wasn't, it didn't feel natural to me. Um, and so I kind of kept looking at surrogacy. I'm like, after I had my first son, I realized I loved being pregnant. I loved, I hear a lot of people who hate being pregnant. They feel like really sick. I felt sick. I had hyperemesis. I was like throwing up all the time, but I still, I know I'm sick. I'm sick. I was going to say, that was going to be one of my questions is like, clearly you must've had an easy pregnancy or something. Yeah, no, I didn't. I had the death in my, like my dad died and it wasn't like a planned passing. He, it was horrible. I'm not going to get into it, but it was horrible. And, um, and I was pregnant and I was sick. I was on medication. I was losing weight, like all being pregnant, but I still loved it. Like 
I managed, I somehow managed through that chaos to like figure it out and figure out what my new normal was during my pregnancy. And I, I felt like, I don't want to, I don't want to be insensitive to people who hated their pregnancy and felt like crap, but I felt (laughs) the most beautiful I've ever felt in my life. Like I, my hair was shiny. My skin was clear. My, I didn't swell. I was losing weight. I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) And I loved like the baby moving. Like I loved every bar and I loved the attention I got. Like, I feel like women are too ashamed to say like, I love getting attention. I love when people pay attention to me and when they are interested in me, genuinely interested in me. And I got that attention that I think I was missing a lot when I was little. So I enjoyed that part. Like people wanted to know about me and wanted to know about the baby and were like taking care of me. And I love that. So the sir, like surrogacy just felt really natural. I was like, I think I want to do this because I get all the perks of being pregnant that I love barring any risks or, you know, yeah. whatever that comes in. But, um, and I don't get to keep the baby. I don't get sleepless <laughs> nights. I don't get like, I don't have to change diapers. I don't have to do any of that. I get to do all the fun, beautiful pregnancy things. Yeah. And I get to start a family for somebody else who's Which been is dying incredible. to start a family. Yeah. So it's kind of hit all the marks for me, like for supporting, um, you know, supporting infertile families or LGBTQ families to kind of help me bookend my motherhood and pregnancy journey. Cause I, I felt like after my second, I still am not done, but yeah. having a third child is just not for me. Yeah. Um, so it kind of just fills all those boxes where I'm able to kind of put this part of my life past, like just kind of put it aside and know that I've done what I needed to do. And I've, I've accomplished my goals, which is bigger than me and my family. I wanted to expand it or expand it, expand it outward. So, um, yeah, it, and so, um, I think I met Hive or Nikki is the owner of Hive Her Surrogacy in a mom group as well. Like she posted, I'm looking for women who are interested in surrogacy. And I was like, Hey, I've like, always wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So we messaged each other. This was like four years ago, like when my first was just born. And I was like, I think I want to do this, but I don't really know how it how it works. And me and Nikki kind of kept in touch. Um, and then we kind of fizzled out. Like no, I didn't really follow through. Nothing really happened. And she moved forward with other parent or other. I mean, and you women. had just had a baby. So I feel like that was a lot exactly. on your plate too. Exactly. So I was like, we'll get back. I'm sure we'll like meet each other again or I'll see her post again. And I had her like history on my phone anyway. So after my second Sterling, after he was born, there she comes again, popping up in the mom groups. And I'm like, I didn't even recognize her name. It was just looking for surrogates. And so I'm going, oh, me, like I'm finally ready. I want to do this. And when I messaged her, it was all the history popped up and we were like, oh my God, it's you. Like we both remembered each other. (laughs) And so I finally felt like this was my time to start kind of the process. Um, So it's been, it's been a slower process for me because I'm still breastfeeding my 14 month old. So you can't be on IVF medications and go through all the screening. Your hormones are kind of 
imbalanced when you're breastfeeding. So I have to wait a little while longer until I'm done breastfeeding, but I've matched with a family. Um, we met, we've, I've done a lot of the screening process that is involved. And then I'm hoping for like a spring or summer transfer or IVF transfer. I'm really hoping that we can get the ball rolling this 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 spring or summer. Nice. Cause your, your little one is 14 months old. Yeah. So you're still in the relative, you're not in the early postpartum phase, but you're still relatively early on. You're still postpartum. Yeah. Still postpartum Mm -hmm. and still, Mm -hmm. you know, in in some ways your body's still recovering. Exactly. And your hormones are still, you know, needing to be balanced in a postpartum phase. And Mm -hmm. so how did you meet the parents? The the Yeah, the intended parents. You're getting the lingo. Good for you. (laughs) So I met him through um, Hive Surrogacy. So me and Nikki had a chat. Um, She came over to my house and we talked about what my goals are with surrogacy and what she did my intake, especially, or essentially what, what's my goal? Like, what do I want to get out of it? Am I the right fit? She was looking for, you know, trigger words or anything like that. And it went well. And so we created my profile, um, which is just, you know, about me, what my hobbies are. And it's kind of like a dating profile. I was going to say picturing like you on Tinder or something like. Like It's kind of like speed dating or something where you like send in like a couple of pictures of your family or like how I I assume how adoption paperwork is. Like you look at each other's files. Yeah, exactly. And you get a really good understanding of like, what's your favorite food? What do you like to do for fun? What, what's your family like? Did you grow up religious? Like all these things come into play, right? So we did my profile and she gave me a few profiles to look out of intended parents. And she's smart because she only gave me like two or three at a time because she do, you don't want to be overwhelmed. Like right. you want to help all of them, but you can only pick one. So she <laughs> gave me a few. And the first one I opened, it wouldn't open. It was a Word document and it would not open. Like no matter what I did, I tried to open it. So I said, okay, I'll move on to the next one. And I opened that one. And the second I started reading it, I was like, this is the guy. Like this is who I want to carry a baby for. And without like giving too many, I I don't know if he's okay with me giving information. So I'm just going to keep it very vague. But um, he's a single man. Um, he's LGBT. He wants a family. He, and he can't have one on his own. And so, and he's like this big nerd and I'm a big nerd. He's like a science, science geek and I'm a science geek. And so it just makes so much sense when I was reading his profile, like he's incredible. And I think he would be an amazing dad. Like I can see it and you see his face and his pictures and you see his nieces and nephews that he loves so much and his um, brothers and sisters who all wrote testimonials for him about how he'd be an amazing parent. And I'm just like, I was like, like tearing up like sobbing. <laughs> yeah. It's really emotional. Yeah. And like, I'm, and I'm thinking, wow, I can, I can give this man the only thing he wants in life is just a freaking baby. And we, it was okay. Not easy, but we can just go and have a baby, you know, and we take it for granted because we can do that. We don't realize how much work goes into planning a family for some people and how much money and effort. And so I was just reading his profile and I was like, okay, well I'm sold. But then I finally got the other one open 
And I didn't have the same like visceral reaction. I didn't have that same like gut feeling longing to start this person's family. So um, right away I was like, he's the one for me. I need to be pregnant right now. And so, <laughs> um, like knock me up. So I told <laughs> Nikki about it. I said, he's my guy. Like I'm, I'm more than happy to do this for him. Um, yeah. and so she sent my profile over to him and he was like, love her. Yes, we're doing it. So we kind of both w- want to agree that it's the right thing for each of us. Um, yes. And he actually came, he doesn't live in Canada and he came to Canada over Christmas to meet my family and we got to spend some really good quality time. It was only three or four days, but, um, it's something that a lot of surrogates and intended parents don't get to do because a lot of it is international. So the fact that he was able, he had a layover, he was traveling and he had a layover in Toronto and said, why don't I just extend the layover and spend some time with you? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I'm not imposing, right? I'm like, no, can you stay forever? Like (laughs) we're actually really good friends now. And, um, having that time to kind of get to know each other and to see like how each of us reacts with children and stuff was really, really, um, validating. Like it just valid. I just knew I'm like, yep, he's the one. So he knows that I'm still breastfeeding and stuff. And he says, there's absolutely no rush because you can't rush these things. Um, at the end of the day, my breastfeeding journey with my son is really important to me as well. And I'm not willing to give that up to speed things along. Like it will happen. So yeah. just, you know, I don't want to force stopping and then regret, you know, not exactly. breastfeeding longer because yeah. um, I won't be breastfeeding the surrogate baby. So right. it's, you know what I mean? So like you right. do miss out on those things that right. you would technically have. Would, so yeah. 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 So I just want to make sure that I've, I'm taken care of first so that I can go into the surrogate journey knowing that I've done, I'm, I'm ready, fully ready. Yeah. And I love that because if you, it's like anything, if you bring your best self into the experience, then you can get the best out of the experience. Like I I often wondered with this, but between my kids, after I had my first, I knew I wanted a second, but Mm -hmm. I had, um, a horrible first pregnancy. I actually hated being mm-hmm. pregnant. Yeah. I was like, I don't mind giving birth. I can give birth a thousand times. It's the pregnancy <laughs> I don't like. And then yeah. Yeah. postpartum is obviously incredibly hard. But oh it's God. so interesting mm-hmm. how you had that, you know, throwing up and but your mm-hmm. experience was so different. And I love to bring that perspective because we just assume, oh, you had nausea, so you're gonna have a terrible mm-hmm. pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And for me, I did have the nausea. I didn't have hyperemesis, uh, but um just it was hard and it was really hard. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I have to do this again. But yeah. my second was, it was still hard, but it was a lot better, my Easier. second one. Yes. And that was my first time Easy. feeling like beautiful. And like, yes. I was like, this is nice. And it was yeah. during the pandemic. So it wasn't like I was out and about. But yeah. it is a beautiful time in our lives. And I love that you say that like women need to say that I like this. I like this, mm-hmm. whether it's the attention or I like feeling like this. I almost think of women as like this regal time in your life where you are literally creating yeah. a human being from scratch. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like society needs to kind of stop and revel in that. Be like, wow, you are doing this yeah. while you're watching TV, when you're eating, when you're walking yeah. around, you're growing that baby. Or you're, or you're hustling and you're working hard and you're doing literally everything else 
anybody else in the world is doing. You're yeah. working, you're dropping your kids off, you're t- you're taking transit. Like those That's, things are me. hard on a daily too. basis, yeah. let alone being pregnant or like 40 degree weather and it's summer and you're like nine months pregnant feeling like <laughs> you're going to melt onto the sidewalk. You're doing that. Like why can't you say I love the attention. Like, I love when people say, hey, let me give you a ride. I'm like, yes, give me a ride. Like, that's perfect. Or like, here, take the elevator first. You go ahead, honey. Like, I'll take, yeah. I'll get the next one. Yeah. Thank you. Like, yeah, like you only get. it should be. <laughs> yes, you only get a few of those, right? Being pregnant and saying it's, saying that you like getting the attention during pregnancy because you're working so hard all the time in that mm. pregnant body. And I think that if we as pregnant people can own that, we can allow mm-hmm. other people who aren't pregnant to see the beauty in our pregnancy too. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's it's a beautiful thing. To, and you don't have to love it all the time, but just to find those little moments where you're like, I really enjoy this. And it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be um, constant or something that happens right. every single day. Just something that you enjoy. And it doesn't have to be like directly related to your body. It could be related to, like I said, the the attention you get or, um, you know, how you can slow down a little bit at work maybe, or people want you to take more breaks. Like those things, you know, they can seem kind of patronizing, like, Oh, go rest. You're pregnant. Like I I understand people might think that's a little bit annoying. Like, Oh, I can keep going because I don't think of me as just this pregnant lady, but take those moments of rest, you know, and, and really put your feet up and enjoy it because they're not going to give you those moments when you're not pregnant anymore. (laughs) They're just not. So like, isn't it interesting how we, isn't it interesting how we treat people as more like human when they're pregnant? We're mm-hmm. like, oh, you deserve rest now that you're pregnant. Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. when you're not, you don't deserve rest. So it's exactly. like, and we, I feel like as women, as independent women who want to like change the world, we also need to be okay with slowing down and realize exactly. that that's not an indication of us, you know, yeah, being weak. Yeah, a sign of weakness. Yeah. No. And something I learned too, moving from acute care in the hospitals to working for a clinic yeah. In the interview, like I got hired pretty quickly. And in the interview, my man, my then manager said to me, you, the hardest part for you is going to be learning to slow down because you come from the hospital where everything is like, you're already 10 steps behind the second you walk into the unit. But yeah. here it's a structured day. You have your whatever, five patients a day and it's so yeah. much slower and you can actually get to know your patients and you can get to know you know, what their needs are and you don't have to rush them. And so right. she said, you're going to have to learn how to slow down. And it's so important to take those moments of rest and, you know, no, nothing's going to happen if you take a five minute break or if you talk to somebody five minutes longer than normal, it's not going to change the trajectory of your day. It's just going to make <laughs> you feel so much better. Like, <laughs> wow, I, I really like talking to X, Y, and Z. That was really nice. Or I really liked getting my second cup of coffee with my friend at work. Like just take yeah. those times to just take a moment and breathe and the work will still be there. Right. And I, you know, audience, whoever's listening to this, please <laughs> remember that nothing is going to happen if you take that mm-hmm. five minutes and mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if that's also your your perspective. I wonder if that also helped you to feel like you loved being pregnant yeah. because you did, you know, pause I needed and you to did slow. appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. You allowed and your I body to do what it yeah. needed. 
Yeah. I needed it. I couldn't deal with like the, my dad dying and That's keep, right. I couldn't keep going with life. I needed to, like, I took a leave of absence off work, like an unpaid leave of absence. I'm like, whatever, the money will come back to me somehow. <laughs> yes. Some way I will pay my rent, but I cannot work. I can't go to work and deal with people dying when I'm dealing with my own grief while being pregnant on top of everything else. Oh it's gosh. just too much. Too and much. I developed like pretty significant PTSD and I still, I still struggle. I, I struggled really hard postpartum. Um, but every professional that I speak to has kind of come to the conclusion that it was all kind of situational. Like, would you have postpartum depression if your dad didn't die? Right. We did you have postpartum depression or were you grieving and having PTSD like a delayed From PTSD that. reaction? Yes. So yeah. like we kind of go back and forth. Um yeah. and the second my second child I had no issues whatsoever. Like wow. Not even an inkling of it. And they say usually when you have PPD it can come back it has a chance yeah. of coming back, right? So yeah. Um I I really do think it was situational, but I needed that time to slow down and and I do not regret it. And I, I did it the second time, even though nothing bad was happening to me. Thank God, my second yeah. pregnancy, the pandemic <laughs> was happening, but nothing personally, right? Um, yeah. I w- I still went by that. Like, I need to slow down. Like, you can't expect too much of me right now. And I even I got a promotion at work. I was the nurse manager during the last four months of my prayer four to six months of my pregnancy, I was like the lead of the program. And um, even through that, I was like, you can't expect me to jump over hoops here. I'm going right. to do everything that I can to my limit. Like I know right. my boundaries and we are not crossing them. Like I'm not working at 8 PM. I'm not work. I'm not, you know, yes. coming in early. Like I'm not doing any of that. And if things don't happen as fast as they need to, then that's, that's just going to be the way it is. And I'm not going to apologize. You know, I, I, I wish that was going. the norm period, yeah. because yeah. I think that would be, again, just a better way to treat humans as humans mm-hmm. instead of as, mm-hmm. you know, machines that just work all day. Pump. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a, I'm and, a corporate, I'm a corporate, you know, I work for yeah. corporate and it's hard to balance. And, but I feel like our generation, the younger, the younger people are may, are taking more of an effort to be like, we can't do what our parents did. Like we, yeah. we can't, we can't work until 64 and then drop, you know, part <laughs> attacks. We just can't do that. And we're not going to. We want to enjoy our lives too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you, for you, one more thing that really struck out that was kind of similar in our journeys during our pregnancies is mm-hmm. because our second was during the pandemic, Yeah, I was also forced to slow down. And mm-hmm. when I was forced to slow down, it allowed me to see the beauty in the pregnancy. It yeah. allowed, I was able to connect with him right away. I, I was like, I knew, I, I was like, I have a feeling it's a, a boy. I was a like, boy. I just yeah. knew so much about him. Even when he was born, I was like, yep, everything does not surprise me. <laughs> like I just knew who he was yeah. because I feel like I could just connect better when I was like pausing. So With beautiful. my first, I was working 11 to 7 and then the yeah. next morning, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And it was like yeah. constant back and forth. Yeah. I w- we were moving. There was a lot of other stressful things going on in my life, plus the pregnancy itself was stressful. So, you know, insta- if I had listened to my body at that time, I would have done what you did and taken a leave and, you know, stopped working and just allowed myself to yeah. be pregnant. And 
I think it's hard exactly. for many people to realize that taking that break is not a sign of weakness, it's actually a sign of strength and courage. Strength, exactly. And it's a, it's a sign of really of, of self-actualization and self-awareness. Like it's a mm-hmm. self-awareness is such a wonderful thing that yes. we don't realize until like I am quite self-aware thanks to my therapist. Shout out to my therapist. Hey, Jessica. <laughs> but like... That's what we work on is just, what do I need? You know, pregnancy is nine months and your work life is 30, 50 years. Like you can slow down for nine months of your life and really (laughs) enjoy this beautiful time. And not just even for your kid, for you, like, the yeah. kids gonna the kids the kid whatever that's another story but they're not gonna for, remember that pregnancy, right like you they're are. babies <laughs> it's cool but you that's yeah. your life and no one can take it away from you and you can't get it back once it's gone so you have to just slow down enjoy try to find like a minuscule of enjoyment in the day and just stew in that for as long as you can even like a good back scratch, like that can set me, my mood for the rest of the day. I'm like, if my husband comes, <laughs> scratches my back, I'm like, oh, the rest of the day is like perfect. You know, there's nothing else that can go wrong. I got my back scratch. Like I need, just, now I'm like, you know, I need a back scratch. Oh my God. Like, you know, when you hit the spot and it's like, yes, oh, the rest of the day right. is just perfection. So like find those moments and Work is always going to be there, but your pregnancy, it's fleeting. The time is so fleeting and it's going to be gone. And then you're going to look back and go, oh my God, why didn't I listen to Amanda and slow down? You know? <laughs> I honestly think that this episode, even if somebody does not want to be a surrogate, like I think everyone <laughs> needs to hear this because <laughs> if you're planning to be pregnant or you're pregnant, there's this fight. Sometimes we fight ourselves. We're fighting yeah. ourselves during pregnancy and just oh, accepting yeah. and going with that flow and being yeah. in your body and being just yeah. being present. Uh-huh. Um, wow. Like I, 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 again, wish I heard your story <laughs> and your advice when I was first pregnant because Aww. I think that would have been such an eye-opener. Mm. Um and, and you are really self-aware. I can tell. I can tell by what you're sharing that you're so self-aware and you're really able to dig into and like connect all those pieces together, which is incredible. I'm not being ashamed of like my shortcomings or what I what I need to work on. Like I, I don't have shame in that way. I'm not ashamed to say I have issues. These are my issues and I'm working yes. on them. Because I think I'm working on them, right? I'm not yeah. I'm I'm not just sitting in there hoping it goes away one day. Like I'm yes. every day I work to become like the better version of me. And sometimes yeah. it works and sometimes it doesn't work, but <laughs> that doesn't mean we stop. Like we keep trying. We just, sometimes I'm a super mom and sometimes I'm a YouTube mom and it is what it is. Uh, yeah. My kids are happy and fed. So, you know, yeah. they go to bed at seven. Like I do good things, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't think I knew how self-aware I was at the time, um, but it really did help me like looking back yeah. Into like going to therapy and looking back at that. And then with my second, it, it really helped me kind of, what did I do last time that was really helpful? And the right. only thing that came back was just slowing down. That slowing was down. the, yeah, that was what really got me through. And going, circling back to surrogacy, mm-hmm. what you, you know, you, you've met your intended part or a parent, parent yep. mm-hmm. and you've, um, 
Can you share a little bit more about some of the common misconceptions that people have or that maybe yeah. you had about surrogacy? Absolutely. So a lot the most common thing or common I get, and it's almost a little too common for my liking, is not even a, a question. It comes in as sort of like um, people assume that I'm just going to become attached to this baby and not want to give right. it up, right? Right. Um, Maybe or, that's know, also because of TV shows or like I feel is. like that's a drama exactly. like yeah. story that you see on TV and then you yeah. – you know, it's like a Grey's Anatomy special, right? Exactly. Like, you don't yeah. want to give it up, and oh my god, you're just like, I'm. Yeah. I'm going into a surrogacy journey knowing that this is not my child. Like yeah. it is not mine from the beginning. So before conception, we know this is not my child. And when you have yeah. your own children, you know your children. There's no one or nothing that can compare to your own babies, and yeah. this child is not mine it's not i'm not genetically linked to it so the it's a sperm um his sperm and a donor egg and they're already fertilized and waiting for my my womb so they're they're precious little things waiting for me (laughs) they're frozen in time right now and they're they're having a good time and they're waiting for me until i'm ready and it's not mine like it's not my baby i don't feel like the same connection to this pregnancy as you would knowing like, Oh my God, I'm pregnant. Oh my God. Like, it's not like that. It's, Oh my God, he's having a baby. It's so different. So that's a huge misconception is, is becoming too attached or not wanting to give up the baby. And there is something you need to understand as well. Like you are going to be attached and there's nothing wrong with attachment. We're so accustomed to believe that love is this, intense, scary, you don't love too much. Don't give too much away. Don't, you know, you can't get too attached, but how, how do you expect me to have a pregnancy, deliver a baby, love this baby and, and just say, bye, see you later. Of course I'm going to love it. Of course I'm going to want to see it. Of course I'm going to miss it. And you're going to have those postpartum like, wow, I can't believe my belly's empty again. Like that's unbelievable. How is there a baby here? And now it's not here anymore, but it's, you're starting someone's family and future. And as mothers, we know how important and beautiful that is. And to be able to give that to someone is so much more important than I'm going to miss having a baby in my belly or, Oh, you know, I don't know how to feel now that I'm not pregnant anymore. We can get through those things because the outcome is, is so it's so fruitful. The outcome we get to start families and watch him try to figure it out, you know, on his own. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh my God, you're going to call me going, what am I doing? And I'm going to say, you got to figure it out, man. (laughs) But like, there's so many amazing things that are, are, that are happening on this at the same time. Um, and you're allowed to love these babies. You're allowed to love them and to think good thoughts and to wish them well and to visit as much or as little as you want. You, these are all things you figure out on your journey. But it's people think you're not supposed to become attached. You're not supposed to love. You're not supposed to take care. That doesn't mean I'm going to steal it in the night. Like I'm, yes. I'm going to love this baby. I'm going to always love this baby. And I'm always going to love the father for the rest of my life. Yeah. But it's not and mine. how lucky for them to have yes, that too exactly right? because 
I was thinking of putting myself if I was a baby and if I was if I knew that my parent had, you know, had me through surrogacy, I would maybe want to I would be very grateful for that surrogate oh, yeah. mother. Right? Yeah. Because and you want to know her like, "Hey, let's yeah. like, I'm going to be like my goal in this is to become like the cool aunt who visits nice. with like yeah. presents all the time. Like I'm going to come in with like the biggest airport chocolate you've ever seen in your life. And like the giant teddy bear, he's going to be like, why are you bringing this into my house? I'm going to be like that. And I get to watch him or her grow up. And, and I envision it's a she, I think it's because I have two boys. Like I really want to carry a girl. So I keep thinking, I keep thinking it's a her. Um, and I see myself just ra- like, spoiling the crap out of this little human being and just getting to watch this person grow. And a lot of people don't also don't realize, like, I feel like when we talk about babies, they're always babies in our brain, but this this person's going to become an adult and it's going to become a teenager and a child. And, you know, it's going to go through all the phases that we went through and our children are going through. And so just imagining talking to like a 25 year old, you know, in graduating college going, wow, I carried you and look at, look at what you've done. Like you're an incredible human being and just being a part of that person's life forever and getting, so that to me weighs out the, Oh, what if you miss it? And I'm allowed to miss it. You're all allowed to miss it, but it's how you kind of deal with it. And, and luckily as surrogates, we get a lot of support. So you're hooked up with doctors, nurses, you get uh, surrogate specialists on your team at Hive, you get, uh, counselors and therapists anytime you need one pre like pre during and post you're always taken care of yeah. um and it doesn't just stop when the baby's born you you know postpartum yeah it, 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 you still go through postpartum even though you don't have a baby to take care of but you also yes. get sleep you get to eat you get you don't have sore <laughs> nipples you know you yeah. can you can pump and you can breastfeed if that's what you want and if that you and the intended parents agree um, that is a beautiful thing. I, I plan on pumping hopefully, um, yeah. for as long as they're here, they don't live in Canada. So as long as they're in Canada right. waiting for like all the paperwork and stuff to fly home, I'll yeah. happily pump. Um, I don't think breastfeeding is something I want to do with a baby yeah. that I don't get to keep, I, but that's just yes. for me. Um, yeah. but I do plan to pump and then maybe even pumping for a family in Canada, like a local family, you know, who knows oh, yeah. what what you can do. Because there's so there's, many families that need mm-hmm, that. Exactly. So you get to help a lot of families with surrogacy. It doesn't just, and it doesn't just stop. Your journey doesn't just stop when the baby's born. You go through the postpartum, you know the risks of postpartum depression, anxiety, like those things happen and they happen with your children. They happen in a surrogate. They happen during adoption. Like it doesn't, I'm not at a higher risk because I'm a surrogate. It's going to okay. happen or not because of my brain. Like it's a brain, it's a brain because, disorder. Yeah. It's a hormone. It's, it's not, it's not selective or subjective. It's very objective. Um, and no one's at a higher or lower risk. It just, it happens or it doesn't. And a lot of surrogates move on with their life in such a healthy, beautiful way, because we do get to sleep. We do get to recover. We, we get to sleep all night long. We get to shower as long as we want. We don't have a newborn to worry about and all that stuff. So, um, there's pros and cons, right. To everything. And, and you get, you're, you're not left in the dark by any means. They tell you the nitty gritty 
um, because they want you to be prepared for everything that may come your way. So it's not like, oh, you didn't tell me that I was going to, I'm at risk of postpartum depression. It's one of the earliest conversations that you have. Um, and you have to be okay with those risks, right? Right. Well, and I imagine too, for you having had two of your own, you know, yeah. kind of knowing what the postpartum may look like probably, exactly. you know, has set you up well too, to know yeah. that, you know, this is, this is a possibility. And exactly. I agree. I, d- I had no idea I would have postpartum anxiety, but yeah. again, looking back on it, this is something that I've talked to with my therapist. I likely had anxiety before yes, exactly. and it was just exacerbated by the lack of sleep and the new mm-hmm. challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, we often think about postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety as standalones, but there's often yes. precursors too. Yes. And, you know, you having the support through this process is probably mm-hmm. going to set you up for success regardless exactly. because you, you are getting the mental health and the physical health support that you need from the your, beginning. Is it through your agency? Yes. Through your agency. Yeah. And you, you have lawyers as well. So like you don't even, you have to go through a pretty tedious, um, uh, paperwork with the lawyers. It's not negative, yeah. but it's, it's a lot of work because you want to be, yeah. be prepared for everything that may come so that you're not left in the dark if and when things happen. And so you go through lawyer, you know, you have a surrogate specialist, a lawyer who deals with surrogacy on a regular basis to walk you through the process and what, and I want to be clear too, at the end of the day, in a surrogacy journey, the most important person in the room is the pregnant person. Not the baby, not the intended parents, it's you. Like this would not be happening without you. So you need to understand that what you want in your body and your pregnancy is your choice. And no one can take that away from you. So you can own that part. Like you're not like some... You're not somebody's property when you're when you're pregnant with, with a surrogacy baby. You it's your choice. You still have the same choices you would have, you know, if, when you're pregnant. Like what what do you want to eat? Um, do you want to go out? Do you want to wear high heels? Do you want to dye your hair? As long as it's safe, and you want to do it, or even like location of birth. Do you want to get exactly birth, you know, where you're giving you birth? Exactly. Yeah. Those are all your choices. Who do you want in the room when you're delivering? Do you want right. a doula? Do you want a photographer? Like those are all your choices. Um, and yeah, no, so there's a lot of misconceptions there too. Like, am I just somebody's, you know, right. womb, walking womb? It's not like the handmaid's tale kind of situation where you get no yeah. say you're very much the most important person in the room. That's incredible. Yeah. And how Which did is, you yeah. find your, I know you connected with, what, what was her name again? Nikki. 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 I knew it was an end name. So let's talk about how you connected with um, Nikki. Nikki was the owner of Hive Agency, am I right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So Nikki, so you found her through, yeah. Yeah, she owns it. She owns Hive Surrogacy. So she used to work for another agency um, and decided to become, you know, do the entrepreneurial thing. And I, I, she's incredibly inspiring to me as, as um, a young woman in healthcare, you know, doing what she's doing. So she started Hive Surrogacy. I'm not sure how many years ago, but it's been quite a while. And she has quite a little conglomerate going on. Um, I think we've started, she has about, I think there's three or four babies who are, who've been born and a couple more on the way. There's 
three or four more on the way soon. Nice. More. But um, it, she, yeah, she started her own surrogacy agency and she works with, you know, a lot of the Toronto um, IVF and surrogacy clinics. Uh, okay. And she, we do, you know, Nikki does a lot of international. So a lot of, there are a few Canadian families looking for surrogates in Canada, but there's a lot of international interest as well. Uh, okay. I think probably because that's what you mentioned is your part. Your parent was not in your intended parent is yeah. not in Canada, so yeah. he's from the U.S. So I think it, okay. um, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of it has to do with like because we have free healthcare or universal healthcare. It's it's really important to have that care um, whenever you need it, and there's no monetary thing you know involved in that. Yeah. So there's no limit. Um, Exactly. So you can get the proper care that you need no matter what. So I think that it's a big, um, a big perk to be, being a Canadian surrogate and being, you know, everybody loves Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. If I had to choose, <laughs> mm. um, that's pretty cool. That's, and that's cool that she works with people who are interested because you would have to work with a lot of different agencies and yeah. like communities to kind of find people who are the right fit and, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we get a lot, so lot interesting. from the U.S., from Canada. It's really, really wonderful. Wow. It's really interesting because you mentioned the misconceptions yeah. about surrogacy. And one of the things that um, I think people wonder is, do you get paid to be a surrogate? Mm-hmm. That's a huge one. Biggest, one of the biggest questions. Yeah, that's the probably the number two question I get asked a lot is how much are you getting paid for this? (laughs) And the truth is, is we don't get paid. Surrogates don't get paid in Canada. Um, It's illegal to accept payment for surrogacy. So it's just not, it's not something that can happen. Yeah. But you do get reimbursed for any pregnancy related um, items that you need. And that's, it includes childcare for your children. It includes groceries. It includes clothing, it includes self-care, massage. Um, it includes um, traveling to and from the clinic. It includes all your medical costs, you know, the medications you need to take. It includes your prenatals. Um, yeah. So there's a lot that you get reimbursed for, um, but it is only pregnancy-related reimbursements. So right. if you want to be- The a- entire cost of being pregnant, essentially. Exactly. And it's different for everybody. Like, there's no set, um, like it. I can't give you a number of like how much you get back because it's right, right. different for everybody. Um, yeah. But you need to provide receipts as well. So it's very um, by the book in Canada. Um, and I think that's what appeals to people as well is like the women in Canada who are not women, the people in Canada who want to be pregnant and who want to become surrogates are doing it because they want to start families. It has nothing to do with money. Uh, it has nothing to do with, you know, okay, give me X amount and I'll, I'll carry your kid for you. It's, I want to start families. I want to help people become parents. And so there's a more genuine aspect to that as well. Um, not that the parents in the U.S. are any less genuine. Like, that's not what I'm trying to get across here. But yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. in Canada, you know, you're doing it out of just out of pure because I want to. I want to help yeah. the family, you know. And the reimbursements come as they come. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you're 
you you mentioned the you know the previous misconceptions of like what if I get too attached or what if I don't want to give this baby up. Yeah. So you going back to your why, like you start you started this whole journey because of you wanted to give this gift to somebody yeah. Yeah. to start their family and going back to that why. And I think some you know not letting the fear of that happening, the fear of like loving that baby mm-hmm. hold you back, but seeing it as a beautiful thing yes. that you get to be a part of. And you do get to um, love it, you know, it's like yeah. you do get to enjoy this baby and watch it grow. And um, hopefully, you know, if all goes well, you, you'll be a part of their life forever. So it's not, um, I don't want to get too attached. It's, it's a fear of like, am I going to see them again? Am I going to take care? Like, yes. You're yeah. going to be holding that baby when it's born and snuggling it. And, and you know, the parents are going to be like asking you a hundred questions. Like, what am I doing? You're going to help them change diapers. <laughs> you're going to want to hold it while it naps and you're going to go on visits and stuff. So it doesn't just stop, right? You get to really yeah. enjoy this baby. And Nikki says it beautifully. I wish, I wish, I wish I had her, her verbiage in my brain, but she says, you're not giving it up. You're giving it back. You're giving it back. Wow. You're giving the baby back to where it belongs. And so um, it's such a it's such a privilege. And I feel like I had to, I didn't have to try hard to get pregnant. My second one was actually a, a contraception baby. <laughs> so like we didn't have to try. And I understand. He really wanted to be there. <laughs> like he's he's either, I always tease, I'm like, he's either gonna be like a brain, like, you know, he's gonna solve something or he's gonna be like the next serial killer or something that we're all <laughs> okay that's a that's a big difference like, he's gonna be a part of the first one <laughs> this crazy kid but yeah um I was really lucky with with conceiving and I didn't have any like I've never had a miscarriage or anything like that and I said you know yeah how can I how can I give back like I want to be able to thank like honor and recognize the people who didn't have it like me. And I, how how can I support them? And there's really not much you can do to support infertile families, unfortunately, like you can help them or LGBT families. You can help, you can support with your words and your actions and being there for them and all that. But being a surrogate for me is something just beyond like, I'm here for you. It's I'm, I want to use what my goods, my body to give in some way. So what I have. Yeah. yeah, use what I have. And I'm also um I identify as queer as well. I'm not straight. I'm I am part of the LGBTQ family. And yeah. so it's something that I can honor, you know, that part of me as well. Yeah. And that's something that I feel will will come up more and more. Like like I think surrogacy is probably a growing thing yeah. because it's more um, there's more awareness, there's more acceptance yep. for LGBTQ. And it's also less, I'm hoping anyways, less stigmatized yeah. or less stigma around, oh, you quote unquote can't have your own baby and you, right. you know, so that even, even, even for people who are um, going through inf- infertility, um, I think that's amazing. I remember when I was younger thinking like, wow, the people who are surrogates are like the most like generous people in the world. <laughs> like, and truly after speaking to you, I just can feel that resonate from you. And, um, I think it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I honestly think it's just so beautiful. And I know that your, um, intended partner 
par- I keep saying partner. Yeah, it's okay. Parent, intended parent um, is probably just so grateful to have connected with you. And yeah, we love each um, other. He, yeah, I, I can see that. He's like that sounds like an incredible um, bond too. And I hope that for anybody considering it, that they find that person or the parents mm-hmm. who they feel that, you know, mm-hmm. connection with when they're reading their story. Because I think that that makes it more powerful and yeah. makes it more uh, real. Yeah. And you can say no too. Like you can look through a few and go, mm, they're not giving me that. Like they're nice, right. but you know, I don't know. I don't really have that. It's like finding your wedding dress, you know, like you, you try yes. on like 20 beautiful gowns and they're all beautiful, but you're looking for that one. Like, yes, yes that's the one. And, and you have immediate, you yes. picky. You can be picky. It's, there's more than enough to go around, you know, and you, like I said before, you can only pick one. So you can like all of them and think they're all amazing, but you're allowed to be like, mm, no, I don't, I don't think he's or she's right for me. I want to move on to the next. And they won't know the difference, you know, and you really True. carry. They're not being rejected. It's not like uh, going back to like Tinder or something. It's not like they're being told no, right? You don't know you're even looking at their profile until you say yes, right? So wow. it's like you can be picky because it's a really important time and you're going to find the right, it's all meant to be. Like, I, I really do believe in things happening for a reason. And if yeah. this conversation strikes you and you're like, wow, I need to reach out to Hive Surrogacy, then do that because, you know, even just getting more information and, and you know, down the line, if if you do want, you want to bite the bullet and look into surrogacy, you will find that family you're looking for. It will happen because everything is meant to be. I love that. I also think that sometimes when things are in the unknown, we're more fearful of it mm-hmm. and learning about it. That's that's exactly why I wanted to have this conversation is I'm learning so much about it too. Um, what goes into screening yeah. you, know, you oh, or yeah. the screening process? There's a lot that goes into it. Um, I'm not I don't, I'm not really familiar what goes into the screening of the intended parents, but it's quite okay. detailed as well. Uh, yeah. But with me... Um, drug testing is something that we go through. So like urine testing, um, blood tests. So we check for STDs, we check for or STIs, we check for um, anything in your blood that may come up as, you know, something we want to look into. Um, We do, you know, you do your blood pressure and stuff like that. Um, They go through your medication history. They go through your medical history. They go through your surgical history. They go through your family upbringing. They go through who's supporting you through the process. It doesn't have to be like everybody, you know, I have people in my family who don't support it. And as long as you have people who do and who will walk you through, that's great. Um, And then once you're once you're matched and you're, or once you go through the pre-screening with Nikki, you go through um, the medical screening, um, which is all the blood work, uh, you know, drug testing. Your partner goes through blood work and drug testing as well, um, yeah. because it's important. You know, whoever you're living with is, is yes, me. also, <laughs> you know. So you go through yeah. all that, and then um, you go through a few tests. I think it's called an HS. G where they, they go, they are not, is it the HSG test? I can't remember what it's called, but where they fill up your uterus with water. Look at at it through um, ultrasound just to make sure that there's no like fibroids or anything like that. It's looking good. The lining looks good. Um, And they, and then you start your IVF medications. Now, 
I, that's something that I'm totally unfamiliar with is why you would need to start IVF medications. Because if the, yeah, yeah. it's because you're not, you're not, um, having a baby kind of naturally, it's not, it's a fertilized egg already. So you have to implant the fertilized egg into your uterus. So you want to make sure that like your uterus is hormones are already, you're kind of just like prepping your body for it's, it's not like the sperm is, it's not like IUI where like the sperm is going through the track and it's making its way to the egg. It's the egg is already fertilized. You have an embryo. So you have to make sure that that embryo is going into uh, a uterus that is prepped for pregnancy. Yeah. And then your body kind of takes it from there. And, uh, you know, you test, I believe after two weeks, right. You wait two weeks for, uh, hopefully for the egg to attach and, and kind of get cozy in your uterus there. And yeah. hopefully you're pregnant. Hopefully. <laughs> okay. It doesn't yes. always happen. That is, no, there's a lot of, a lot of, it's IVF, right? So yeah. it's, it's not, not a guarantee. Nothing's a guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. And you only implant one egg at a time, one embryo at a time. So it's not like okay. stuff you with like seven and hope one. Oh my God. Like one. I have quintuplets. <laughs> yeah. It's one, <laughs> just one goes in there and you know, it could split to two. Yes. Um, and I believe that with IVF, twins is a little bit of a higher rate. If I'm not mistaken, that could be wrong. Yes, I've heard that as well. Correct. Um, so hopefully we're only carrying one. And I don't really know of any women, you know, surrogates who want to carry multiple. So we're, yeah. we're always hoping for like one bub in there. Um, yeah. And it doesn't always happen. And you can, you know, usually you do three tries, three tries with one egg each. Um, and hopefully one will will stick. Three separate tries. Okay, Three separate gotcha. Tries. Yeah. And what's the – is there like an age limit? Like do you have yeah. to be young to do this? Do you have to be in certain, you know, oh. physical fitness or, you know, obviously they look at your uterus and you're probably your um, your blood work and everything else. But- everything is relative, right? Like you – you there is an age. Um, I think it's 21 to 49. Oh yeah, so it's quite large. It's quite broad. Yeah, you have to have um, at least one of your own children. You can't. Okay. You can't just have. You can't be um, somebody who hasn't had any children before. Okay. Um, you have to. Yeah, twenty. It's twenty-one to forty-nine, I believe. You have to have a previous uh, pregnancy, a successful pregnancy. You can't have. You can't be a smoker, a non-smoking. And obviously no recreational drugs. Um, And you have to be generally healthy. Um, There are a lot of people who who are like, well, I can't be a surrogate because I'm too fat. And I was one of those people because I am on the larger side of normal, whatever normal means. Yeah. Yeah, the... Yeah, it's, we always talk about the BMI being so yeah. like BS because it's, it's not so really distorted. A, and yeah, I'm six feet tall, so BMI is always. I if I, I think I'm only at a normal weight if I'm like 140 or something like that, and I'm six feet tall. I'm like, there's no way I'll ever be 140 pounds. Oh my gosh, there's no way that would be really thin sense. for six feet tall. I, I have yeah. to be at least 200, at least because I'm so yeah. tall, and I'm 
I'm like a big, I am a bigger person. I, I I'll never be skinny. I have big broad shoulders. I have big thick legs. Like that's just who I am. And I've always been this way. Even at 200 pounds, I was bigger. Right. So, um, yeah. there is a misconception that you have to be skinny and thin and that's not true, but you do have to be healthy. You have to be generally healthy. Um, and look around you, like at all the women who have children, like we're not, all of us are thin, you know, you want to, oh. we're all round. In my culture, like in oh. India, it's almost like they say it's better to be bigger because you can handle a pregnancy better. Yeah, uh, I, don't I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's that. truth to that, but. I don't know either, but I think being a mother, you know, it changes your body and sometimes you're a little bit bigger and, and sometimes things change or move around and they're not always where oh, they yeah. were before and stuff. And nope. it doesn't make you any less qualified. You know, you, as yeah. long as you've had previous pregnancies, you're healthy, you are relatively active, like you walk or you don't have to hit the gym five times a week, but right. you need a, a healthy lifestyle and healthy looks different on everybody, right? So healthy yeah. to me doesn't mean the same as healthy to somebody else. So, right. and that's what you talk with your doctor about too. Like, are you the right fit? And you don't, you don't meet, you don't get to match until we know that you're the right fit. Um, mm. And you're you're fit for for surrogacy because we don't want to get your hopes up, right? You don't want to go through all this and fall in love with a family and then go, oh, right, sorry, you're not the right, yeah. So you go through all this beforehand, um, and then you match. So it's more of a smooth process, and it can take anywhere between, you know, usually it's pretty immediate, like three to six months, you'd be pregnant. So you you kind of want to be like ready to ready yeah. to go. This isn't like in 10 years, I'll be ready. Exactly. This is like, I'm thinking about this in the near future. I am breastfeeding, right? So right. Um, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit slower than I would even like. But like I said, yeah. no, I, I want to be, I want to be done this part of my life. And you know what? That's why I was asking about the IVF meds because you can get pregnant if you're breastfeeding, but yes, probably you can, you know not in, not through IVF. I, I didn't realize Yeah. That. You have to, you take a lot of medications and stuff and you're, you get in, I don't know the details of all the meds you take, but it's yeah. a lot of hormones, right. And, and yes. preparation. And so, um, just being done breastfeeding is, is just so much easier. Um, but even if you are breastfeeding and you're like, you know what, I, I think I want to, I want to think, I want to talk to Nikki about this, like give her a shout because she's more than happy to kind of go at your own pace. Um, and it's about the right people in the program too. You don't want, you know, it doesn't mean you're not qualified. It's just your process might be a little bit longer. Right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I feel like that gives all of us a very comprehensive overview on what surrogacy is like, what the journey of, you know, finding your agency and matching with your intended parent and going through, you know, your own mental process mm -hmm. of like why this is right for you and um, when this is right for you. Yeah. And I really, really thank you for that. I think everything you've shared is so important for anyone who's considering a pregnancy period. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I would love to kind of finish off by asking you a few questions about yourself. Absolutely. So let's start by, um, you know, final thoughts 
on what is your favorite read right now? What do you listen to? Do you listen to podcasts? Yeah. So people might judge me, but I'm listening right now to <laughs> uh, the Harry Potter audiobooks. Nice. I love Harry Potter. I feel like it's either you love them or you hate them. And I'm just, I'm a late bloomer in the Harry Potter department. <laughs> I didn't know about Harry Potter until I hit college. And all yeah. my friends were like, into Harry Potter and I'm going what is this and I I remember watching all the movies and I fell in love so I read the books um in my late like mid-20s and now I'm in my I'm turning 30 in a few months and um I'm listening to the audiobooks and it helps me sleep at night it's really nice but another podcast I listen to is um Melon 365 I don't know if you've heard which one Oh, Balance 365 yes yeah I have a good friend in Emerson who is like a I don't know what you call it, but she works with them and she's a fitness coach that um, is trained through them as well. So I live for the anti-diet lifestyle changes and lifestyle choices and more intuitive lifestyle. So yeah. Yeah. So I enjoy their podcasts as well. Amazing. I will have to check them out. I don't listen to too many podcasts, which is ironic because this is a podcast, but (laughs) I – there's so many good ones because I'll go through like a binge mm-hmm. of like listening to a whole bunch and that's good to know. I'll, I'll tag that uh, for people who yeah. are interested. I also listen to like the RuPaul. I, I'm a huge <laughs> yes. RuPaul. So I listen yeah. to RuPaul's podcast, like the older ones I love re-listening to. Um, but yeah, you can find I'm – a, I'm a weird mix of, of – I'm a mixed bag. Nice. Just, I love know. the Harry Potter. I've never read Harry Potter or watched them. I'm like probably one of the only people. I'm like so – I'm I'm like you. I'm like I'll probably read it in like 10 years. Yeah. I'm like always delayed. I'm like <laughs> – You're going to read it with your kids, I'm sure. Your kids – That's what I was going to say. When my kids read them, I'll read them. Enjoy the magic with the kiddos. Exactly. And so tell me about you and what are three things that you like to do for yourself every day? Uh, three things I like to do for myself. I'm – um. I'm a huge coffee addict. <laughs> so I love <laughs> having my morning coffee is something that is so sacred for me. I love my nice. morning coffee. Um, I ignore my children when I'm drinking that cup of coffee. Yes. The second one is always cold, but the first one I drink hot. Like it has to be hot. Um, yeah. I just I love that you said that for yourself. Yeah. Mama's li- listening. Do that. They're safe. They're fine. They're happy, you know. They don't need me yeah. right this very moment. I can have a couple of sips of my coffee. Um, this cold coffee mom stuff, I hate that. I don't like the wine. I'm not into the wine mom stuff. I'm no. not into the cold coffee mom stuff. Like, yeah. we, like the kids are going to be okay if we step into the kitchen and they're in the living room. Like, what kind of mega house do you live in where you can't step away for a minute? You know, we're in a condo, so I can see them like at all times. <laughs> Like it's official. They're going to be okay. Yeah. And, you know, and even if they're like screaming or whatnot, it's like, it's going to be okay. They need to learn that, you know, you can have a sip of your drink hot. Exactly. I, I totally agree. I, I think we need to stop normalizing and joking about the like, yeah, cold like, moms and oh my God. Like, yeah. My coffee's always cold. Uh-huh. Like, no, drink your coffee hot. Like, you deserve it. What the hell is that? And then we wonder why we're burnt out all the time. Like, no one enjoys cold coffee. Get out of here. Unless it's hot. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, stop with this. Like, you you are amazing. I just wanted to say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, yes, my hot coffee in the morning. That's number one. Number two nice. is I 
I shower every day and I love to go for shower. I love my shower. I know people think, say like showers shouldn't be a form of self-care. It's like a hygienic, normal thing we all need. But sometimes I do two a day, like showers. I just hop in the shower and just like breathe for a minute. I do pay attention to my kids. Okay. (laughs) I like don't even look at my kids, but I do. I swear to God. Um, But like I take when my husband's home or when he has a minute or he works from home so I can like, if the kid's napping and he's on a break, I'm like, okay, I'm hopping in the shower and I just let the water run over me. I don't even, sometimes you don't, I don't wash my hair all the time. I don't wash my body all the time, but I just like. Just being in the water. Soothing. It's so relaxing. And I really enjoy plants. Like I'm looking at my beautiful plants right now. Um, I garden for like, I'm in a condo too. So it's like patio or balcony garden, but I do enjoy my, my plants. They just bring me so much joy and watching them grow. And it's just like the fruits of your labor, watching them or a new leaf sprout out. It just makes me feel so good. Like I'm doing something right in the world. I love that. You're such a like (laughs) simple. Yeah. (laughs) But you're such a light. Honestly, you are such a light. And I love that. We have a lot of plants too. I do not personally take care of them. My husband does. He is a plant plant dad and him and my daughter will go around trimming dead leaves and you know it's just it's really beautiful it's really beautiful to have that yeah Yeah, it's nice to be able to like you know I live we live in Canada right so we get all the seasons and I couldn't live somewhere where it's like constantly hot or constantly cold I need to have like going from winter to spring feeling your skin wake up feeling like seeing the leaves energy wake up Oh, like that breath, that first like spring breath of fresh air is like the most invigorating. I wish we could like bottle that up and inject ourselves with that feeling every now and again. But I I live for those changes, even from fall to winter, like feeling the the, the cold weather creep in and, and we all start to kind of go inward and slow down a little bit and hibernate, get into that like home snuggly. Yeah, I love that. It's just so beautiful. So like this time of weather, like winter to spring, watching my plants sprout, I'm just like, okay, here we go. Like this is the best time of the year and we're hitting summer. And so, yeah, it just brings me so much joy. Amazing. I love this time of year too. Like I find March hits and my body just starts to come alive as like you can sense spring is in the air. Even if it's cold, you can see the sunlight, you know, longer days not dark at four o'clock anymore. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who don't live in Canada or live like somewhere closer to the equator, you're probably like, what is, what is the big deal? But it is a big deal. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Uh, And so Amanda, what is, what's something that you're really passionate about right now? We just talked about surrogacy. Obviously you're very passionate about that. Um, Is there anything else that you're feeling really passionate about? Yeah, we actually just bought our first condo. So we we bought I literally oh, moved in on what I don't even know what date it is. We bought we moved in on the twenty eighth of February. It's March fourth. Oh my gosh. So it's we been like a few just days. moved. Yep. And it's been and I moved so I've been with my husband for twelve years, almost thirteen years. Oh wow. Yeah. Um high school sweethearts and we I got ready for my first date. My mom lives in the same condo that we live in now. So I got ready for my first date with him in this condo, this different, different apartment, but the same condo building. And so now we live here. So it's, it's been such a nice kind of full circle moment where we started here and 
now we're living here with our kids and my mom is two floors down. So Okay, uh, we have like parallel lives because really? when I yeah, because when my when I got pregnant with my daughter Nisha, I was just like I need family. Yeah. So we moved from Midtown Toronto back to North York yep. and we live in the same condo building as my parents and Isn't it amazing? And it is amazing. It's amazing. Like just having them around and my kids get to see them we get like it's just so nice and I know it's not a luxury everyone has but I think that if we if you do if you have the possibility of living close to your parents yep do it it, you know as long as you have boundaries like I think you need boundaries and we do like it's so funny like my mom goes honey you know you can't be over all the time and I'm like I'm not planning on going to your house all the time are you kidding I didn't want to be there when I was 15 I don't want to be there now but um like I love how she said that not you yeah, like, again, <laughs> like every single day she's in my friggin' house because I just moved right so she's always right. here going like hey you need me to help you fold laundry like on her break I'm like no get out <laughs> I just bought, like I still need my space. Like, get out! I just bought a rug, a new rug for my living room, and my yeah. sister lives with my mom. And they all came up. My other sister was visiting, so like I had thirteen people in my house yesterday. Oh my god! Admire my rug, my new rug. I'm going. What? What is going on right now? I can't believe I'm here. Like, it's it was so nice, and my boys were so happy to see their aunties and their nana. Like all in the same that's room so nice. and we were rolling around on the rug and they were just hysterical laughing. And it, that's what I want. Like my kids are going to have these memories forever. Yeah. So even if my mom bugs me, you know, whatever, I'll, it's for the kids. Like they, I get to kind of reparent myself through giving them these experiences. Right. You know, that's a, that's an important point too. Yeah. And I feel the same way because I grew up in India until I was yeah. 10 and then I moved here. So I had a very different childhood. Right. And it's been really healing. Yes. Kind of getting to experience childhood through my kids through again. Kids. Amen. Yeah. Um, Agreed. I love that. And what would you – how can people con- connect with you? Um, what's the best way if people have questions, they just want to say hi? Yeah. I'm pretty private on Facebook and Instagram. Like I don't accept everybody. So um, just because – Everybody yeah. tells me I should be an influencer, I, literally everybody, but I, I can't. I just, I can't invite that many people. I'm very energy cautious of who yeah. I let into my circle. So yeah. email would be the best way to contact Perfect. me. Um, and I'm, I'm, I answer my emails pretty religiously. So um, do you want me to just spell it out? Sure. Okay, so it's Amanda Vecchiola at hotmail.com. A M A N D A V E C C H I O L A at hotmail.com. No spaces, no dots, or anything like that. Uh, we'll include the link in yep. the show notes. Perfect. So if people want to just click and they can directly email Excellent. You. Yeah, send me an email. Like, I'm, or you can contact uh, me through Hive Surrogacy as well. So um, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook at Hive Surrogacy. Um, and that would be, you'd be connected to Nikki. Um, but she can get you to me as well. Nice. Awesome. I'll include that link as well in the, in the notes. Mm -hmm. And one final question, what would you say is your mom's strength? That's a good one. I think my mom's strength is, is my self-awareness. I'm going to say being able to know, when I've hit my limits has really helped me to um, 
parent or yeah, parent my kids better because I'm pretty, I'm working with my therapist right now to see if I have, um, we're thinking maybe like sensory overload or maybe ADHD that's been going on for my whole entire life. We just didn't know. So I get really, I get overloaded with information really quickly and you might hear it in my voice. Like I'm, I go and I go and I go and I don't stop and you can kind of see it in my house. And when there's too many noises or it's too loud or too bright, or I'm being touched too much, I can really go into like a, a, I go into a breakdown like full on and my kids, they can't see that. It's, it's really damaging to see your, your leader of the pack breaking down right all the time. So being able to, to know my triggers and to stop and to say, I need to step away even for a moment in the bathroom, in your bedroom, in the closet, like whatever it is to just regroup and ground yourself again. Um, that's something that I'm, I'm prioritizing and, Honestly, it's, it's taken me a really far way. Um, and it's good modeling for the kids too, right? Like they know too, when I'm feeling this way, I know to stop and I know like, don't keep going, just stop whatever you're doing, just stop. And that's a recurrent pattern in my life is learning to stop and slow down and just become more self-aware. Incredible. I, I can resonate with a lot of the sensory overload. I have these noise canceling headphones and they're, really important for me because I noise, I never realized how much noise was a stimulant for me until I had kids. And I was like, it's a huge, I I need silence. It's a huge, I I live in earplugs, like live all the time. And people are like, how do you hear your kids crying? I'm like, I hear a freaking pin drop with the earbuds in. It's not like you can't hear. I can hear everything. That's my problem. I have like supersonic hearing. I can hear like the neighbor upstairs, I can hear their phone vibrating. It's the most annoying thing in the world. I have like supersonic hearing, like a dolphin yeah. or something, but it yeah. really, hey. it messes with me. You could be like a yeah, I could be like, yeah, they can investigate, investigate a dog or something. Put me on a leash. <laughs> it's so annoying. So yeah, like learning to tune, not to tune it out, to tune into it. Like we're always like, tune it out, tune it out. No, no, no tune into it. Like let's lean into the trigger instead of pushing the trigger away and figure out why is this bothering me and how can I fix it even for the next moment, right? Love that. You are so wise and you are so young to be so wise. (laughs) Trauma. Thank you. It's the trauma. I know. I, I have, um, yeah, I have a similar history. I'm yeah. sure different, but also I resonate with a lot of that and working yeah. through many of those things with my own therapist. Yeah. And it does bring you more self-awareness exactly. yeah. and it brings you more strength in the long run as long as you're working on working on it. You got to work on it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't just happen on its own. No. And so many of us carry baggage that we just assume will never change Yeah, that, you know, it, this is how it's going to be, but there's so much you can still do. And um, exactly. it's, I'm, yeah, I think I'm very grateful for you for spending this time with us today. First. I know that the audience is going to love this episode. Um, if you like this, please, you know, you can send Amanda an email if you're interested. Share this episode with your own friends. If you listen to this episode and you're like, this is awesome, share it with your friends if you're on social media or if you have a friend who may be interested. Uh, and then go and review this podcast and let us know 
let us know what you think. I would very much appreciate that. Thank you again, Amanda. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your energy. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. It was. We can do a follow-up <laughs> podcast after the baby's born. I was just thinking, I was going to ask you that afterwards. Yes. Because uh, I would love to do that. Let's I think that would it. be incredible. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links, and we'll chat again real soon.